Welcome back to Current with Valerie Hayes on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about issues that are in the news, and one topic that we keep hearing about over and over again is immigration. Legal U.S. immigrants and their U.S.-born children now number approximately 80 million persons, which is about one quarter of the overall U.S. population. In addition, the Department of Homeland Security estimates that there are approximately 12 million unauthorized immigrants living in the United States, which is about 3.5% of the nation's population. With the current issues involving terrorism and refugees, people are more and more interested, really more interested than ever, in identifying and fixing issues within our immigration system. My next guest is a graduate of the University of Buenos Aires in Argentina, as well as George Town University in Washington, D.C., and has extensive experience with immigration issues. He's received both the Maryland National Association of Counties Award for his work on the Joint County Gang Prevention Plan and the Cali Award in International Human Rights. A former law professor and law program director at Mexico City's Center for Economic Research and Teaching, he has also co-authored a book, Family Law, Cases and Problems for Legal Education. During his career, he has helped hundreds of business owners, investors, executives, and workers with their corporate and immigration needs through his law firm, Goller Law Firm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Diego Goller. Hey, Diego, how are you? Hello, Valerie. Thank you very much for having me in the show. It's It's an honor. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you with us today because, you know, I know that our listeners are hearing about immigration in the news over and over again, um, whether it's related to the bombings in Brussels that just happened earlier this week, um, if it's related to presidential candidates, if it's related to some of the recent stories we've heard about um, illegal immigrants having access to Obamacare. So I know that everybody's hearing about it, but I also hear from our our listeners that there's a lot of confusion. So let's start with the basics, if we could, Diego. What is the difference between a legal resident and a U.S. citizen? Okay, well, in the U.S., a legal resident is a foreign person who is authorized by the government through a legal process uh, to have a permission to stay in the U.S. permanently, indefinitely. The permanent resident has certain rights. The U.S. citizen has different rights that are usually higher. For example, a legal resident can stay in the U.S., can work in the U.S. on any field, on any type of position, on anything, but cannot vote. It's not allowed to vote. It's not allowed to take certain positions in the federal government that requires a U.S. citizen to to have them. And another difference is that uh, the quality of, of uh, legal resident or the characteristic of legal resident is that can be abandoned. So if a person has this authorization to stay in the U.S. permanently and then this person decides to leave the country, go abroad for two or three years and then come back as a permanent residency, then the government can accuse that person of abandoning the residency. So that person will not be a resident anymore. On the contrary, a citizen of the U.S. will not abandon the quality of citizenship. Uh, the government, it's very difficult for the government to accuse a person of abandoning the citizenship, so it's more secure a person can go and live in another country for two or three years, then come back and will be considered a U.S. citizen. He will be able to vote. He will be able to have certain other rights that permanent residents do not have. 
That is a great description and makes it really clear. So let's pretend I'm moving here from another country. I'm, I'm a citizen of, let's say, for example, Belgium. Let's just say them because they're in the news. Let's pretend I move here from Belgium. I want to live and work here in the United States. What is the process to live and work legally in the U.S.? Well, that's an interesting question. What I, what I explain when I give conferences and, uh, and talks is that usually there is still like a three stage process. If you think the immigration process in the U.S. like a, a letter, you have the three steps. So the first step is usually people come here to the U.S. with what is called a non-immigrant visa. Uh, those are temporary visas that allow people to come to the U.S. and comply with a certain objective that they have. For example, the typical one is a tourist visa. So people would come here for a couple of weeks to go to Disney World or to to visit parents, to visit family, friends, places, wherever. So they have that specific objective. So there are certain visas that are temporary visas that allow people to work in the U.S. So usually people will come with one of those visas. Majority of the times those visas should be sponsored by, by a U.S. employer, so people need to get a job offer before applying for that visa. And then there is a process within the U.S. government in which people will apply for that visa, either the employer or the employee, and then obtain a visa to come and work in the U.S. Then sometime these people will be able to become a permanent resident. So whenever that happens, they will go to the second step and try to become now an immigrant, a person who intends to live permanently in the U.S. So all the visas, the non-immigrant visas, usually are temporary. The government will authorize them for a certain period of time. Then some people will want to cross the bridge to become a permanent resident, to have like more freedom to be able to change work, to change employers, or to have their own companies, or not to work if they decide not to work. And then the third step uh, that we may talk in, the, in a couple of minutes is becoming a, a citizen. So after being a resident for a certain period of time, then you can become a citizen, and then that's the third step of that letter in the immigration process in the U.S. Let's get to that third step in just a second. But before we do, um, a lot of people hear that phrase green card. I'm getting my green card. I just got my green card. I've applied for my green card. Is that step one or is that step two in the process you just outlined? Excellent question. That's step two. So the green card is the document that represents that you are a permanent resident in the U.S., a legal permanent resident in the U.S. So you obtain a visa first in the first step. It's a non-immigrant visa. Usually is stamped in this passport. You come to the U.S., you work in the U.S. legally with that visa stamped in the passport. Once you go through the process of becoming a permanent resident, and there are different processes to become a permanent resident in the U.S., so the government will issue a green card. And the green card, it's a card that now actually is green. In the past was white, many years ago was green as well. So now it's green again. So that's why it, they call it the green card. But that's what represents you being a permanent resident of the U.S. So once I have my green card, it doesn't matter what employer I work with. I might have come over here to the United States through a visa to work for a specific employer. But once I have my green card, I can maybe leave that employer and work for someone else. Exactly. That's correct. You are free to do whatever you want in the U.S. from the employment perspective, yes. You can have okay. your own company. 
And if you won the lottery and you have millions of dollars and you decide not to work anymore, you are free to do that. Okay. Well, I look forward to that moment, Diego, and, and you <laughs> and I can sip ice drinks on the, on the beach when that happens. Um, so let's pretend I've gone through the step. I came here on a non-immigrant visa. I applied for and became a permanent resident. And now I want to become a U.S. citizen. What is the process to become a U.S. citizen and how long does it typically take? Well, uh, first to become a, a U.S. citizen, uh, what you need is to um, to be a permanent resident for a certain period of time, and it depends. The time depends on the, how you obtain your permanent residency. So, in the U.S., there are different ways of obtaining the permanent residency. One is through family family petitions. So, for example, a person who marries a U.S. citizen, or through employment, or through political asylum. There are different ways of obtaining the, the green card. So, if you obtain, in, obtain your green card uh, based on marriage to a U.S. citizen, then you have to wait three years in order to apply for citizenship. In the rest of the cases, you have to wait for five years to be able to apply for citizenship. And from those five years, you should have spent at least half of that time physically present in the U.S. So that's the first requirement in order to apply for citizenship. Then you have to check if you are eligible with other requirements. So one of the requirements is that you need to know English. So they will test you on your uh, uh, on the English language, uh, on how you write English, English, how you speak English, um, how you communicate with the officer in English. They will test you with civics and history questions. So you need to know history of the United States and certain civics questions that they will ask you. And the process is, it's simple and straightforward. If you comply with all the requirements, you need to file a form that you can download for free from the government. There is a website called uscis.gov. And then they have all the immigration forms there. There is one that is called N-400. Then you file, you fill all, all the information that is required there and you file it and you send it to the, to the USCIS service, which, which is the US Citizenship and Immigration Services with a check, a money order of $680. That's the cost. That's what the government charges for any petition that is processed for citizenship. Once that happens, the government receives that application. They will issue an appointment to take your fingerprints and to take a picture of you. They will run criminal backgrounds. And then you will go to an appointment with an immigration officer and they will test you on the English language. They will test you on the civics and history questions. And they will go through your application to check that you comply with all the other requirements, that you never violated any law, and that you are really eligible to become a U.S. citizen. So once I've waited the three years if I married a U.S. citizen or the five years, you know, for the majority of the other circumstances, and I've downloaded my form from the government website and I filled it out and I've sent it in, so I've put it in the mail and it's off to the government, what is the typical wait time between the time I send that in and the time I get tested and become a citizen? Well, that's a million-dollar question. It depends, and it varies, because they go to, to local offices in every city, and it depends on the workload that they have. Uh, usually, it may take between three to six months. Sometimes I've seen nine months it will take for the government to, to process that form. 
if there is an issue and they discover an issue with the person, they may issue a request for additional evidence and you will need to provide certain information before they even call you to the interview and that may take longer to process your application. But usually I will say average between three and six months, depending on how, how much work the office has. Okay, that's great to know. Um, of course, in the news, we're hearing a lot about the presidential candidates, and they've all got proposals about you know how to fix, quote-unquote, fix the immigration system. In your opinion, what about our current immigration system works well, and what doesn't work so well? Well, the immigration system in the U.S. is, is extremely complex. Uh, we see that uh, immigration law is the most difficult law after tax law. So that's why in other countries there are no, it's not very common to have immigration attorneys and in the, in the U.S. it is. The, the rules are very complex, are very strict, and the government is, is extremely demanding in order to issue a visa, a green card, or a citizenship. The good thing is that those rules exist. And, and the good thing about this, the, the, the immigration system in general, is that if you really comply with, with the rules, you have like 90, 95% of chances that you will get what you want. So usually the system works from the perspective of following the rules. And if you have, for example, you need to, to do an investment in the U.S. and get an investment visa, uh, and then you do the investment, you create your business, you do everything you have to do, and then you present your case to the consul, uh, American consul in your home country, then the possibilities of getting a visa are very high. So that's good. The, 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 the thing about having all these rules works well in general times. Uh, but uh, what it doesn't is, uh, what I believe is, the number of visas that are available in certain categories. Uh, so, for example, the, there is one visa that it's called the H-1B visa. That's for people with bachelor's degree and that are going to be higher in specialty occupation. And those visas are very limited. And that's a uh, uh, law created by the Congress, and they have only 65,000 visas for people with bachelor's degree and 20,000 additional visas for people who earn a master's degree in the U.S., and last year, more than 230 people applied for those visas. And those visas are required by U.S. employers. So, in fact, it's not individuals who apply for the visa. Those are companies who need workers, these type of workers, very specialized. And the U.S. is not able to, to get and obtain all the, all the brain that it needs to create the best things or the best practices in, in all the companies and the business. Yeah, so that's one, one thing that I, I think we need to, to work on the system. So increasing the number of, of this type of visas to allow the, the people that we need in the country to come and work here. Uh, and also the number of, of green cards are also limited by year and by the Congress. So I think we need to, to work on, on those numbers as well uh, to be able to bring more people to the U.S. That's fascinating, and I think that's great information. Um, my last question for you, Diego, uh, if you could ask the presidential candidates just one question about their immigration plan, what would you ask? Well, it depends on who's the candidate that I'm asking, <laughs> because one of them is very, is very strict with what he thinks about immigration, and right. he wants to deport like everyone from everyone. the U.S. Everyone, yeah, yeah, like everyone. that's realistic, right? 
Well, yeah, let me exactly. put it this way then. Let me put it this way then. If there was one thing that you would like to see in every candidate's pres- uh, immigration plan, one feature that you think, yeah, everybody needs this because this is what we really need to fix. What would you, what would you be looking for? Well, I'm not gonna, uh, my answer will be a little bit different. So what I would like to see in a candidate is how they will create consensus in the Congress in order to really have a, an immigration reform. Because there was no comprehensive immigration reform for the last 20 years in the U.S. There were many attempts. There was no president in the last 20 years that was able uh, to create that consensus in Congress. So my question for those candidates would be, how do you really plan to create that consensus to really have a comprehensive immigration reform? One of the features answering specifically the question that you're you are asking is the number of visas and the green cards that are available because those are very limited. But the consensus in Congress, I think, is, is the most important thing that I would like to see in these candidates to see how they really will create that. I think that's a great point. We can't even get consensus among the five remaining candidates, let alone, you know, the entire body of the House of Representatives and Senate. So that's a great point, Diego. Thanks so much for being here with us today and explaining immigration. It's been very, very educational. We really appreciate your expertise. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Valerie, for having me in the show. Well, it's been a great conversation about the current immigration system as well as the future of immigration, but it's time for a quick break. But don't go anywhere because when we come back, I'm going to give you my easy-to-understand kind of checklist of some of the immigration plans and concepts proposed by the various presidential candidates. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back here on Current. Are you a first-time contestant who wants to make sure you're ready to answer any question? Or are you an experienced contestant who's frustrated because your interview score does not reflect your true title holder potential? Well, I'm here to share with you the biggest secret about what's holding you back from getting a top interview score. It's that most contestants don't know how to practice their interview skills correctly, so they struggle through marathon practice sessions, participate in mock interviews that actually increase frustration and decrease skills, or they just completely give up and wing it. But I've developed a full proof system for you to use that will teach you how to practice your interview so you can deliver great answers with poise and confidence in both the interview room and on stage. This is going to be the best money you've ever spent on preparing for your pageant competition. So visit my website at ValerieHayes.com and click on the interview questions tab and get started towards your winning interview score today. Top contestants around the country have discovered the secret for creating a winning look. It's the Royal Wee Boutique. Former international pageant title holder Lane Berry will create a personalized, iconic competition look that establishes you as an elite contestant but doesn't drain your pocketbook. Lane has dressed evening gown winners in state, local, and national competitions of all the major pageant systems. Whether you visit in person or take advantage of their premier long-distance styling services, Lane will guide you through the steps of expressing yourself with a cohesive image that wows the judges. Visit them today at royal-we.com. You're going to look fabulous. Do you feel totally confused about how to create a winning platform? Are you unsure about which topic to pick, how to make it marketable, and how to get appearances with your platform? My do-it-yourself coaching resource, Perfect Pageant Platform, teaches you everything you need to do to create a winning platform. I'll walk you through the steps it takes to develop a platform that impresses the judges every time. So visit my website today at ValerieHayes.com and click on the Pageant Platform tab to get started on your winning platform. 
Get a headshot that establishes you as a serious contender for the crown. Studio D Imaging does more than just snap a photo. They actually help you create your iconic look by understanding the preferred look of your pageant and helping you to express your photogenic potential. They've created winning looks for contestants competing in all the major pageant systems, and they'll create a winning look for you, too. Just visit them on Facebook by searching for Studio D Imaging or visit their website at studiodimaging.com. Contact them today and let Studio D Imaging create your perfect headshot.